The Owner's Box is part of the In The Money Podcast Network. You can always log on to inthemoneypodcast.com where you can follow along. You can subscribe to the free newsletter. And not only do you have the Owner's Box, but also shows such as the Players Podcast, JK Plus One, The Matt Vernier Show, Redboard Rewind, Nick Luck Daily, Talk Racing to Me, In the Ring with Acacia Courtney, and Off Track with Maggie. So lots of great things to listen to. Just head over to inthemoneypodcast.com. Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Welcome to another edition of the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. Alongside of me, as always, well, she's not alongside of me, but she is nearby in Del Mar. The great, the one, the only, the, the Michelle Yu. Michelle, welcome to another oh, show. That is much different than I thought you were going to be saying. Did you think I was going to say something that we talked about before? Yeah. No, I wouldn't say that on the air. Oh, you'll just call it to me in my face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a great show for you today. We are going to hook up with the uh, omnipresent uh, Donna Brothers, who seems to be all over uh, social media, and she's now in ownership, and she's got a lot of things going on. We thought it'd be a good time to catch up with Donna. We're going to have a very probably heated saratoga versus delmar talk i imagine michelle don't you think with all with her love oh, of course. Always. for saratoga um and then uh we will get to our three things of note right now why even waste people's time they're not even they don't care they want to get to it <laughs> i think all right well the first thing i think I, two of our things of note are really just going to be coast to coast stakes action right with delmar and saratoga yeah. i mean that's what's happening though right around. now I mean, yeah yeah. Okay. Um, like, do we really want to talk about the fact that the veter veterinarian changes his plea in the guilty Navarro service <laughs> drug case? Like, right. no one cares. Like, just kick him out already. Done with it. I, I can't keep reading articles about it. You know what I'm saying? Am I wrong? Okay. All, All right. right. Sorry. I'm passionate today. Billy Soapbox. All right. So uh, first thing, we'll just start at home, right? It was the grade one being Crosby, Crosby and the grade one Clement Hirsch. Um, the Bing Crosby, I thought, was especially exciting with Dr. Shival or Dr. Chevelle or whatever you want to call him. Well, no, uh, it, was on Shiver, how, it was on Twitter how to say it. Was it? I didn't yeah. see that. It was, so was it? it was from Batman. Hold so on. what is it? Hold on. I'm going to tell you right now. Doctor, who is he owned by? Because we were talking about that he's today. He's owned by Red Barrow Barnes, Rancho Temescal, and he's owned by uh, Dr. William Branch and one other partner. Okay. Uh, trained by Mark Latt, his second straight Bing, grade one Bing Crosby. and Mark uh, Latt's not the horses. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I just want to be clear on that. Because <laughs> he did not win it as a two-year-old. He did right. win the Delmar Futurity. But... He did. He did. Anyway, congratulations to everybody. I'll look it up and figure out. I can't remember now if it was Shival or Show. Okay. Anyway. Um, He's Mr. And... Freeze. I still, Mr. Freeze, that sounds nothing like Shival or Shival. Right, well, let's just call him Mr. Or Chevelle. Okay. Um, um well, wait, Michelle, wait, Hirsch? before we just what? leave that race, the fact that they okay. went one that was and, a great race. The fact that they went one ten and two. Oh, well. I mean, isn't it I mean, it's so strange how slow our track is. And let me just say something, okay? I'm gonna get right back on my soapbox. Oh boy. There is a fine line between safety and a racetrack. Right. Um, when when because I think listen, it, 
Oh, you and I would be the first to admit it. This is fantastic. No horses are breaking down in the afternoons. It's it, this is this is great. It's so safe. Delmar's the safest track in America. La 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 la. But there are other injuries happening. Let's not kid ourselves, mm-hmm. okay? And and there are other injuries happening because the track is so deep and horses aren't are running very slowly because the track is so deep. I mean, one ten and two for a grade one is a little bit. I mean, it's kind of slow. Outrageous. It's slow. It's slow. Yeah. So it's slow. There's that fine line. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. What about the effort from um, Eight Rings coming out of nowhere to run second? Oh, my, I know. Right That's what Ryan was like, Eight Rings is going to win this race. I'm like, you're off your absolute rocker right now. I told him, I was like, Mark Glatt's going to just absolutely annihilate this right now. Yeah. And then Eight Rings is like holding on there. And it I was, was like, holy cannoli. Yeah. Of course, I bet the other Mark Glatt at like 11 to 1. Okay. Moving on, uh, the Clement okay. Hirsch was uh, Clement was a, Hirsch. it was a really cool race only because we got to see firsthand uh, just how good She Dares the Devil is for. Uh, well, She Dares the Devil was originally out here, right? Yeah, I know but she was. She just didn't come into like full form until she got <laughs> her three year old's year. Yeah, for Brad Cox. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I like the that? fact that people are sending horses out and about, and she came over and. She looked great, didn't she? I oh, mean, she looked awesome in the paddock. Owned by Flurry Racing Stables, Qatar Racing Limited, and Big Out Farms. Uh, bred by Windstar, trained by Brad Cox, ridden by Florent Giroux. She tracked um, uh, Venetian Harbor, who, in my estimation, and as you've probably read 19 times on Twitter, uh, just doesn't really look like a two-turn horse, although she ran very well. Uh, congratulations to them for a second in a grade one. Uh, and the disappointment was as time goes by, who broke slowly, and Mike Smith just appeared to just kind of wrap up on her, which was totally weird and bizarre as the at six to five. How'd you feel about that, Michelle? Yeah, I mean, I w- I had to go back and watch what happened to everybody else because I was just intent on she dares the devil, um, and you know, that's something that I feel like we see from Mike Smith. If a horse isn't being competitive for whatever reason, that he just takes care of them. Yeah. Nothing. That's not a negative. That's just like a right. statement, right? It's a statement. Okay. So that was impressive. Okay. Congratulations. She punched her. She dares the devil punched her ticket to the Breeders' Cup distaff, or what do they call it? Ladies' and Classic now? Do they call it Ladies' Classic or distaff I, now? I, I, don't, I call it the distaff. Yeah. I mean, it was smart, though, of Brad to bring her out here and run her in this, getting a grade one, getting the win and you're in yeah. at the track of, that, that the Breeders' Cup is going to be held at. Why not? And, you know, some of the uh, older Philly races are a little bit deeper back east too so i think this was a good spot okay although to be fair his uh three-year-old essential quality won the jim dandy at saratoga and they only had a five horse field there that's true i love all the the discrepancy that the racing is so much better at saratoga right? like our and fields at delmar have been yes. crazy mm-hmm. it's impossible to win races here when when phil damato's one for 31 um you know it's tough actually we were looking at the standings today and Ryan's like, guess how many races people have won, right? And oh, so yeah. I'm like trying to guess or whatever. Because I feel like I – okay, well, I was like Peter Miller's probably won like 20. He's yeah. only won 10. He's won like – he like, feels like he's won 30. won like 10, right? <laughs> he's and he's like, Mark Glatz only won four. I'm like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like it feels <laughs> like so many people have won like a lot more. And then you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, well, now I don't feel so bad, right? Yeah. Like uh, it's crazy because it, it is so – tough like we said the other day we had a maiden 20 and there was in entered in the field in the maiden 20 with a callahan a mandela and a baffer that's not happening anywhere else no. in the maiden 20 no, right it's, it's tough it is tough out yeah. here and you were just talking about elusive quality and his big win in the jim dandy or is it just his 
grind it out win, win in yeah. the in the gym I, dandy. I think visually mm-hmm. may not have been as impressive as people, but you know that's the thing, Michelle. Uh, these the, the, they are animals. They are not like machines. And that horse right. did. He was wide. It was a short field. He was he was kept in the clear. You know, I mean, and he did what he was supposed to do. He won. Like, give him a break. I feel like that's him, though, right? He's yeah. He's very, like, He's, he's grindy. That's why he's he won not, the Belmont. Yeah, he's not scintillating. No. I, I, I uh, agree. It's owned by Godolphin. And our good friend Jimmy Bell, who was on our show. I'm John Bell. Do you think he's the top three-year-old? Yes. Tell someone beats him. I mean, he lost by a length in the Kentucky Derby, and that's his only loss in his career. So tell someone, tell someone knocks him off that perch. He's the best. Okay. Who do you think? Um, is it that I'm still a Hot Rod Charlie fan? No, I mean Hot Rod Charlie's <laughs> awesome, but 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 he fan. he beat him on the square. I mean, yeah, Hot Rod Charlie yeah, ran awesome in the Belmont. A mile and a half, right? Like a mile and a half is so different. Like I want to see him like back to back going like a mile. Well, and a quarter. you'll probably like to get to see it at some point this year. Be Eventually, nice. yeah, yeah, you'll you'll see I it do. again. There was another really impressive winner um, at uh, Saratoga this weekend, and his name is Jackie's Warrior. And he's um, very, very fast, Michelle. I don't know if you know this. He's by McLean's Music. He's owned by mm-hmm. Kirk and Judy Robinson for Steve Asmussen. And this horse uh, was defeated last time out. Um, and then in the uh, Woody Stevens, right, grade one. And then he just came back on a on a wet track, wet fast, might have been called. I don't know. In the grade two Amsterdam. And he looked just awesome. Like he never got out of a gallop. And just destroyed the mm-hmm. field. Uh, so congratulations to them. Steve Asmussen, he wins a lot of races. Would you say that, Michelle? Accurate? He's uh, he's closing in on some kind of record, right? Uh, it's uh, yeah, maybe the all-time winningest trainer record. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> just I just pulled up the chart. Yeah, uh, Jackie's Warrior won by seven and a quarter. Nice. And he ran. He just ran. Keep him six, to one turn. He ran. Yeah, keep him to one turn. Why do you have to go anyplace else? But you know what they're saying? You know what I read this morning? How about Jackie's Warrior what? versus the comebacking Life is Good in his first start for Pletcher? Oof. Ooh. That's going to be fun. Ooh. That's going to hey, be you, fun. Does that sound funny when I blow into the microphone? Ooh. Yes, it does. Oof. <laughs> uh, okay, last of our third, thir- our third thing of note is coming up this weekend, I think all eyes should be on Saratoga for the Million Dollar Whitney, which is going to be headlined not only – by Maxfield, who is the, I would say, top handicap pro temple le- leader, right? Yeah, yeah. of the older horse division. Absolutely. Uh, also, Silver State and Nick's go. But Silver State's Swiss won like twelve. Wait, Silver State's run like twelve races in a row. I, th- I feel like. <laughs> I think he has. Yeah, who I did you say? There's, a, there's a Philly. There's a there's a Philly Swiss in there. Swiss skydiver going to be coming in. So here's the whole thing that happened, right? Yeah. Swiss skydiver was originally supposed to run. Um, in the personal incident, right? Or yeah. I think that's what it was. Um, but then a horse in in the same barn as McPeaks, not in his barn, but in the same facility, got the equine herpes virus. And so because of that, everybody in the barn gets locked down. So they had to be in a quarantine for 21 days, which didn't let her run in the shoevy was what she was running in. Um, so they needed to try to figure out where else to go. And so they decided... Let's run her in the Whitney. Um, and so I think it's okay. a crazy, interesting spot to go in. She's never been one that, that Kenny has shrugged away from anybody, right? I mean, he shipped no. her all over the country to win yes. races, including the Preakness last year, um, where she just looked sensational, beating authentic, 
Um, so why not? Why not give her the shot here? Why not? I like that, Michelle. More people should say that in horse racing. Why not? Take a shot. That'd be a good so, podcast. Take a shot. Take a shot pod. Take a shot. Just take a shot. So she is coming off a three and a half month layoff. But let me and... tell you something. Let me say something. When sometimes it's good to take a shot, but like it's not good to take a shot when you're like thirty to one. You know right. what I mean? It's like when you're thirty to one, you look at it and you just have no prayer. That's you know, that's when you kind of maybe don't take the shot. But who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean this rate I don't know if we've said this on this podcast before. Michelle, remind me if we had, if we've said this over the last six years or seven years of us doing this show. Um, this game is really hard. Have we ever yeah. said that before? So we said it today. Just winning a race at Del Mar is hard. <laughs> I think we say it every time. All right. Those are our, our top three things of note for last week. We have a lot of stuff to get to with our special guest, Donna Brothers, and we're going to get to her right after this. Are you kidding me? Not this time again. Stakes winner number seven on the year for not this time as Arzak battled down the lane to win the Tom Ridge Stakes at Prescott Downs over the weekend. Not this time now has 10, count them, 10 stakes winners from his first crop. Unbelievable. Taylor made stallions. Contact Travis White. That's T White at TaylorMadeStallions.com. Find out more about not this time, Midnight Storm, Michelle Wish, Instagram, everybody. Ton of stallions there. Contact Travis today. We are back. We are back on the owner's box. I'm Billy Koch, and I'm still here with Michelle Yu. And Michelle, we have a cool guest today, don't we? Super cool. Super cool. Donna Brothers is here. Donna, welcome to the show. Thanks. I don't feel nearly as cool as you all build me out to be, but thank you. What do you mean? You're very <laughs> cool. Well, so before we get started, I have to tell Donna, and Michelle probably doesn't even know this story, but I have to go back very quickly to 2004 when Singletary won the Breeders' Cup, and I had no idea what I was doing. It was just a bunch of friends, and that's how Little Red Feather started. Um, and so she is doing the interview for NBC, and the first thing she says to David Flores, our rider, and she's like, you know, congratulations, David. You know, what a great ride, whatever she said. And all of a sudden you hear Flores in this David Flores Vato voice. He just goes, thank you, Donna. And for the <laughs> next, well, that was in 2004. Yeah. So we're 17 years, every time I see Donna, it's thank you, Donna. And so that's our. Yeah, I was going to see where you were going with that for the next 10 years, because I think it's pretty much until infinity. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty much. I will always be a Donna Brothers fan just for that one moment. But t- take us back before you were uh, married to Frank Brother, Frankie Brothers and before you were. How did you originally start in horse racing? Well, it was not a very original idea for me, Billy. My mother was a jockey. She was one of the first half dozen women to be licensed as a female jockey uh, in the United States. And she was very successful. She uh, retired in 1984 as the leading female jockey in the nation by races one. And it took four years before Patty Cooksey. And then a week later, Julie Crone finally went past her record. So four years of her retired standing still that's how far ahead she was and so again it wasn't original my brother and sister were both jockeys for a short time and um yeah 1987 I just to be honest I decided to um I'd been galloping horses in the morning and I decided to ride a race to eliminate that as a career option because (laughs) I I was like well I should try it (laughs) go back for a second because this is we have a lot of people who are new listeners or don't really understand um, the, the exercise riders and just how important they are in the mornings and what that 
what that transition must be like. Tell them what's the difference. Uh, first of all, how important are they? Because I think they're critical in the mornings. And then the transition mm-hmm. to actually becoming a jockey. Yeah, I'll try to be quick, but I'm going to back up to no, the fact that time. I grew up riding horses. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up riding horses, but when I decided I wanted to gallop horses at the track, I had to learn how to ride again. So I had to go to a farm. It was Bamberg's farm at the time in Louisville, Kentucky, out in Goshen. And I had to learn how to ride thoroughbreds because it requires a whole different set of skills and strength. And so once I got good enough to leave the farm, I went to another farm in Arkansas. And then finally, I was able to go to the track. So it took about six months of training, maybe eight months of training at the farm, even though I'd been riding my whole life. And then I galloped horses at the track for four and a half years. And to be honest, I think the reason why growing up, I wasn't really thinking this is what I want to do for a living is because if I'm honest, of the the four people in my family who rode, my mom, my brother, and my sister, I was the weakest link. They were all wow. phenomenal riders. Wow. And so when I was growing up, I didn't think I was a good rider. And it wasn't until I was around other riders who didn't grow up riding that I went, wow, like, I'm really good at this. Like, you don't get along with that horse? <laughs> he seems really nice. Hey, give, him you know? me. So, give me. Give me the trouble yeah, ones. Cause, yeah, because. I mean, I'm, my family, I kind of thought I sucked, to be honest. That's, that's <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah, finally, I got away from my family, and then I was like, actually, I'm pretty good at this. And so, again, I didn't grow up wanting to ride, but by this point, I'm 21 years old. I hadn't gone to college yet, which was what I was going to do when I left high school, but I thought, I'll just gallop for a little while. And so then, ultimately, I was 21, and I thought, okay, I've either got to go to college. Somebody offered me an opportunity to come train their horses back in Kentucky. I was in Birmingham, Alabama at the time at their inaugural meet in 1987. And there was an agent there who had had my brother's book at one time, and he'd been wanting me to ride for a while. And I said, all right, Pete, his name was Pete Antonucci. Um, If you can get me on a horse, I'll ride it. But what I didn't tell Pete is that... And then if I don't like it, this that's my way of eliminating this as a career choice, sure, right? Sure. And then I'm going to go on and do whatever I'm intended to do. And so I think the, the listeners will be interested to hear that. So somebody who grew up with all these jockeys around him, I'd probably watched 10,000 races by this time, galloped horses in the morning for four and a half years. I ride my first race and I was blown away. I, my thought was not only is that the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. It's the most challenging thing. So, you know, when your mother, brother, and sister are all jockeys and, and that's your life, you, you can't like, right. If your family's yeah. doing it, like how hard yeah. can it be? Right. Yeah. Like it can't be that hard. And then you ride a race and you're like, Holy hell, that is hard. <laughs> what so, was it? What was it about it? it? What was it? Like what, what, what is it? The feeling is it the powers it the fact that you have, you know, 10 other horses around you and other jo- Like what, what can you, can you be specific? Sure. Yeah, it was all of that. So the first thing is you leave the starting gate. And I did know by then that I needed to send my horse away from the starting gate. But I thought in my head, I'll send my horse away from the starting gate. And then I'll just like sit for a second and see where she wants to lay. And I quickly realized like, wow, people are literally jockeying for position all around me. And I need to hold my ground here. I was in the middle of the pack. And so like it, those things were like, you've quickly got to decide, are you in or are you out? Because they're going right. to take your space if you don't make sure that you're up in there. And now we're, that's in the first five strides. Right. And now five. we're 10 strides into the race. And I'm being pelted by dirt in a way that I've never imagined in my life. <laughs> a field of horses. And like, I keep blinking in spite of the fact that I have four goggles on it. And I, and I have to keep telling myself like, Keep your eyes open, damn it! Like you've got to see. 
And so, yeah, there's all this jockeying for position that's happening. Your horse is waiting for you to tell it what to do. Are we going back? Are we going forward? Like, what do you want to do? You're being pelted with dirt in the face. And so that all happens within the first 15 seconds. And then you have to, like, go, okay, like, you've got to get past all that, and you've got to start telling this horse what to do and start being a part of this race and and creating space for yourself here. And so – that's when I realized how challenging it was going to be. Great. And then just the speed of it all. It yeah. all happens so fast. So Where fast. Where did you finish in your first race? Fifth. Yeah, I think I was fifth. So it wasn't, it was, you know, like fifth in a 10 horse field. So it was not really, a, you know, an amazing outcome or anything. But uh, And that it was, was it. You just called it quits. One race. Or how many races did you ride before you said this is it? Oh, no, that was the race. That was it. I was just blown away. Yeah. And then... I would say it was about six months later. Um, I won 13 races at that meet before they wrapped up. And then I went to uh, Rockingham Park to ride with the bug, which is where Diane Nelson had ridden the year before. And she was second leading apprentice rider in the nation behind Kent DeSormo that year. And so I, I went to Rockingham. I had an opportunity to get the agent that she had had. And so I was like, yep, I'll go there and, and I'll, uh, you know, try to get some experience there. But about six months into it, my mom came to visit and as, as I said, she was a jockey and I could tell that she was really excited about me being a jockey. And I said to her, you know, mom, when we were growing up, you always said that you didn't care what we did for a living as long as we, you know, tried to, you know, we liked it and we worked hard at it and, and, and we uh, liked it. But I said, I, I, I don't think that's true. I think that you like that I'm a jockey. And she said, no. I like that you have a passion. She said that, you know, I felt like you were a little bit of a rudderless ship for a while. And she said, and I can see the passion. I can feel the passion. And she said, I like to, you know, just see my daughter this alive. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it did do that. So, yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, Donna Brothers joining us here on the Owner's Box. I know Michelle has about a thousand questions for you. Michelle, do you want to start with your list? Oh, well, <laughs> sure. I will definitely jump right in. So, Donna, can you get us um, from jockey life to what you do nowadays, uh, both on TV as well as um, what you're doing for Star Ladies? Because that's what we want to transition to eventually here. Yeah, so um, in 1998, I'd been riding for 11 and a half years. And um, at that point, I was second leading female rider in the nation by money earned. So I'd had some success. But I was starting Still is, right? A bit. Uh, maybe I'm not sure. I haven't checked, okay. but so I was starting to become disenchanted with it. I loved it for 11 years, but now we're 11 and a half years into it, and I, I really hadn't been happy for about six months. Meanwhile, I'd been dating Frank Brothers for about four and a half years at that point, and I and we hadn't gotten married because of the conflict of interest rule in racing, where if we had mm -hmm. gotten married, I would have to ride his horse in every race, or I couldn't ride the race, and we didn't want kids, so that wasn't an issue, but. Yeah, one day we just talked about it, and I was like, I'm ready to move on. And so when I moved on, I just moved on to be happily ever after, Frank Brothers' wife. And then right. some of the TV opportunity things started opening up, and um, I was doing the on-track racing analysis at Churchill Downs with Mike Battaglia when uh, – I'll make a long story short, but NBC found me there um, – when they came to survey for the next year's Derby, they didn't have it in 2000, but they'd signed the contract for 2001. ABC had it at the time and asked me to join their broadcast team. And, you know, again, sort of baptism by fire. The very first network show that I did was Breeders Cup at Churchill Downs in the oh fall of 2000. Gosh. Right? Wow. First network show. We're on the air for eight hours, I mean, for wow. five hours, eight races. 
And all they said is like, you're going to be on horseback. Uh, you'll talk to the winning jockey after the race, and we'll Good come luck. to you before the race. Here <laughs> That's and there. it. Yeah. And did you fun. do? Did you do right. any 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 uh, uh, media training or anything before you started? That would have been a good idea, Billy, but nobody really <laughs> suggested that. I should have. <laughs> so I mean, but you were natural. Like Taglia, that, is my, that is media training in its finest. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> what I did do is when the um, blood horse issue came, at that time they used to, um, after the Breeders' Cup or the Derby or any of the big races, they used to always have a critique of the broadcast. And so I was super excited after that first Breeders' Cup to to read the glowing report that I was going to get from the the writer. The writer was Lenny Shulman. Oh, Lenny. And so I, yeah, so I pick up the article and I read and read and read. And the only thing that he says about me without mentioning by name, without mentioning me by name is, I don't understand why NBC continues to persist with these fluff interviews from horseback with the jockey (gasps) directly after the race. They add nothing to the broadcast. How do you remember so, that yeah, so same, well? Right? I mean, I was like, okay, that was hard. <laughs> yeah, that was hard. I, I would have put that way behind me. But go ahead. No, but to his credit, the only reason why I remember it so well is because uh, I have him to thank for the fact that I went back and watched the replays and it, with the thought of were these fluff interviews, and the answer was they were. There right. wasn't a question that I asked a jockey after in that 2000 Breeders' Cup that I couldn't have asked of any other rider in the race or any other rider in any other race. So my questions were like, what does it mean to you? At what point did you realize that you won? Tell me about your trip. And I just, from that, then I learned it has to be a personal interview with this person about this horse, what it means to them, this experience for this owner trainer jockey combination. And so it really upped my game. That's really, that's smart. And I think knowing that you went back and you were critical of yourself is always important. I think that has to be done in every aspect of, of especially business life. Um, well, eleven years of being eleven and a half years of being a jockey trains you to be critical of yourself. You go back and watch every race. And right. Go, Where did I screw it up? Right. I know. I <laughs> and I know Michelle. I, Michelle, I know you want to get into the ownership and and Donna. We're going to talk about Star Ladies and and obviously your your husband's involvement with Starlight and Star Ladies. I just I just wrote something down though while you were talking, Michelle, and I hope you don't mind. Out here in Delmar, I don't know if you've watched, but Jessica Pfeiffer's out here and Emily Ellingsworth, and they're really making a, a dent in the jockey's colony. And I don't know if anybody really saw this coming. What do you, when you see young young women like Jesse and, and Emily uh, doing doing this, especially nowadays, what, what does it make you feel? Well, first of all, I think Jessica's not only a good writer, she does a really good job with her social media. So, you know, that's a skill that you almost have to bring into it now if you're up and coming. Like, you've got to use social media to get, a, you know, a fan following. And, and so that's, I think, a smart thing that she's doing. But it, it makes me hopeful. Um, Billy, I think one of the, the issues that we have right now in American racing is that not only do you not see a lot of um, females coming up through our system. You don't see a lot of American born males coming up through the system because we don't have an agrarian society anymore. I grew up mm-hmm. riding horses. I think Michelle grew up riding horses, right? And so mm-hmm. we, we, we had that experience from a young age and most kids aren't exposed to that anymore. Meanwhile, in the Latino countries, they've been riding since they got rid of their bottle or before <laughs> right. and right. and they have phenomenal jockey schools. And so when I see people like Jessica doing well in this environment, I, I know how hard she's working and I know how hard she's worked to get here. And it, it's nothing but admiration for her. That's great. Michelle. 
So Donna, fast forwarding now to um, Star Ladies, because obviously we are the owner's box. So we want to talk a little bit about ownership. And um, this is a unique syndicate because it's ladies only and fillies only, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, one of the things about horse racing that I think makes it great is, you know, Billy Koch with Little Red Feather is talking to somebody else about their racing partnership. And the thing is, is we're all rooting for everybody to get into the game in a way that is comfortable, affordable, mm-hmm. exciting, whatever, whatever it is that you're looking for. Um, Star Ladies admittedly is, is a bit high end. It's as is Starlight. It's all um, the Star Ladies partnership is is all females, as you all female owners originally, and all fillies, which still stands. But um, Starlight is the 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 partnership that's sort of at the core. And Jack and Lori Wolf started that in 2000, and then 2013 Star Ladies was born out of that. And one of the things that I think you guys are both familiar with is that in 2018 Starlight Racing partnered with. Um, SF Racing and a couple of other partnerships and Justify, Triple Crown winner, right? Well, do we want so, do you want the Avengers music to come on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the Avengers. With the Avengers. Avengers. Yeah, Donato Lani and, and um, Tom Ryan and, yeah, Bob Baffert, the whole crew, Jack Wolf. But in any event, what Starlight realized is that, and Billy, I'm sure you've had this experience, is that it's a lot easier to pay 25% of the bills on horses than it is to pay 100% of them, right? Absolutely. So we see a lot of partnerships now that are partnering with other partnerships, and we've done the same thing with Star Ladies. So up until last year, we were just 100% female partners. Now for our Star Ladies portion, we still only take female partners in our Star Ladies p- portion. But this year we're partnering with L and J Foxwoods and also Gainsway so that we can have more money to spend. And sure. We can wow. spread the risk, spread the um, amount of money that we're going to have to pay in the overhead on, on the care of the horses on the other end. And so Frank brothers will still buy the horses. Todd Pletcher will still train them. And uh, yeah, it's fun. It, it, it's been fun since 2013. Uh, again, Lori Wolf really wanted a way to be able to get the girls together at the track. And uh, I think she's done a great job of bringing together a great group group of gals yeah Lori's Lori's awesome we spend a lot of time with Lori and Jack and and both of them are very well respected in the game and a, and a lot of fun and and I think they they, they obviously uh, bring something to the game and the way they've uh, managed Starlight and Star Ladies is pretty good but I have a I have a question for you what happens when Frankie uh, buys a filly for Star Ladies and the filly can't run can you talk about the dinner conversations when you get home <laughs> and the horse finished seventh it happens happens to all of us what, like what, what how, how does that go back back and forth well Billy you know the game better than anybody Frankie will look at you and say hey what do you want me to tell you most of them can't run right like, <laughs> oh, no. or or wait I bought I bought a good horse it was the trainer right the trainer just can't train oh, boy. Right. yeah yeah, that was a good horse when I bought it. Yeah. No, because because Todd Pletcher trains all the Star Ladies horses, and Frankie has a tremendous amount of respect for him. And the and the Starlight horses are the ones that are with SF are out there with Baffert, so it's a little hard to fault two Hall of Fame trainers. So absolutely. I mean, he he shoulders the burden. You know, he realizes that the percentages are against you, and you've gotta you've gotta come up with one every now and then that that pays for the mistakes and there's gonna be mistakes. It's just the way it is. It's it's always so, this Donna, is... about about how many members do you have in the Star Ladies? Star Ladies racing is small. So altogether we only have about seven ladies in the group. Okay. Um and one of the ladies, when I say ladies, so some of the ladies will form their own partnership. And so Jim Shirtcliffe, who is in Starlight Racing, 
his wife, Beverly Shortcliffe, and their two daughters, Kathy, Kathy and Susie Shortcliffe, are part of Star Ladies as a group, right? So it's a great way for like a mom and two daughters to like, you know, go to the race in California, go to the race in Hot Springs, and like do this thing together that's super exciting. And uh, it's yeah, and it's a family affair. I but met, I, I would be yeah. remiss not. Go ahead, Donna. Go I would ahead. be remiss not to mention that the the partnership is coming to a close soon for this year. So and can anybody get in? That, can can yeah, someone just call then, you I mean, or or sl- slide into your DMs? That's the cool way to say it. I don't know if you know that. Wow, that was <laughs> I like that. They can slide into the DMs on IG, Instagram, <laughs> or on FB, Facebook, <laughs> and they can get or else involved. They can just email me. Okay, they could email me at Donna at StarlightRacing dot com, which might be the easiest way, but. Um, anyway, yeah, up until we start buying horses from the, uh, August Saratoga select sale here, I think that sale starts August 9th. So up until then, because as you well know, Michelle and, and Billy, like Michelle, when we go shopping at Bloomingdale's, we need to know how much money we have in advance. Exactly. To spend, right. Well, so we Michelle doesn't sale for a little no, red no, no. feather. Donna, <laughs> Donna, that's not how it works in the, in the Hanson household. Michelle just goes shopping and then comes home and then just didn't. And Ryan says, how much did you spend? And And she says, oh, nothing, nothing. It was good. I hide it. And then I say, oh, this whole thing when I'm wearing it later. I met the Shercliffs lately, Donna. They are great people. Um, Kathy works at at, uh, Churchill Downs. And and I think her sister's uh, out in California. Yeah. So good Mm -hmm. people. All right, Michelle, go ahead. I know you have a question. Thanks. Uh, So, Donna, how does the partnership actually work? So you have one time a year or two times a year that people can – get involved and then you take the capital that you've pre-raised and then go buy horses? Yeah, thanks for asking. So in about January or February of each year, we start to come up with a business plan. Like, what do we want to do this year? And so we'll write out, okay, this is what we're going to do. Our minimum raise is going to be this number and our maximum raise is going to be this number and we're going to sell units at this number. And so for Mm -hmm. Star Ladies this year, what we came up with based on you know, what we've done in the past and, and what Ellen J. Foxwoods wanted to do in Gainesway is essentially we're going to we're going to go ahead and raise um, around a million and a half. That's going to be our our minimum number. And, and okay. by that, I mean, all three of us, the star ladies themselves was going to come up with five hundred thousand. That would be our minimum number to move forward. But then we have a maximum number, which in this case this year is about a million. And so we are above our minimum raise, so we're, we're over the $500,000 threshold, but we do have space if we wanted to take it to the maximum, to that million-dollar number. Um, mm-hmm. The unit prices sell for $100,000 a piece, and that's your equity position. So that's just what we spend on the horses. There's no markup on the horses. So okay. that $100,000 goes directly into spending the horses. And then, you know, like I said before, when you're partnering with two other partnerships, it certainly helps to keep down the expenses when it comes to the training portion of it. And so there are going to be other expenses, but they're a lot easier to absorb with other partners. And what are you guys looking for when you go to the sales or when Frankie goes to the sales? Um, are you looking for any kind of filly that could win? Are you specifically looking for classic type fillies or, you know, if maybe you're going to expand into Colts now, I don't know. Um, but what's, what is the perfect product for star ladies? Well, luckily, Frankie Brothers is sitting right next to me, and my phone apparently is loud enough that he can hear that question. Is he? <laughs> he oh, my said God. Both. Did, he said I'm both. looking for all of that. <laughs> so how about just like, good horses? Up, thank you for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, he, he looks for an athlete. I, I know that. Like, Michelle and Billy, you guys remember Madcap Escapade, right? Of course. Yes. 
this was a filly that he picked out and trained, and um, she was third in the Oaks the year that a shadow won it. And one of the things that he's always said is that he doesn't like a horse who, the way he says it is, I don't like a horse who hawks are parked out the back, so that he doesn't like the hawks to jet out too much out the back. And then later I heard him say that Madcap's hawks were parked out the back. And I was like, wait, time out. You picked her out as a yearling, and you said you don't like that. Was she like that as a yearling? And he looked at me like I was silly and said, oh, but you should have seen her walk. <laughs> With her, it That's didn't good. matter. That yeah. Her, her, yeah, they could right. have been in the parking lot. He liked the way she walked. And so he's looking for an athletic individual that's got a great walk. And beyond that, yes, to pretty much everything else. Do you go to the sales, too? Like Do you go to the sales, too, with, with Frankie? Are you involved in picking out these horses? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> and nobody wants me involved because no it, okay. when on, on the rare occasion that I actually go back to the barns and look at the horses, my only answer is, I think she's beautiful. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's gorgeous. Why can't we buy that one? <laughs> like, oh, that's I, I mean, I don't know one from another at that age. When they're yearlings, to me, it's like they all just look beautiful. And yeah, I fall in love with all of them. And, and to be honest, I just don't have the stamina. I went to the sale with him one day and like that eight hour marathon of looking at horses. I wanted a gun at the end of the oh, day gosh. to shoot me. I can't take that. So yeah, it's, no, I do partnership development and client relations. And so, yes, I go to the sale and I sit with the owners, especially at um, the Phasic Tipton sale that we have here at Saratoga Select. You know, they've got the big dining area out in the back. Sure. And so we'll have a big drinking table area, there. Donna, so. Drinking area, Donna. Drinking area. Yes, the dining and drinking area. That's where you will find me, hanging out with the partners. Perfect. Do yeah. they have champagne yeah. there? Because so, that's that's what Michelle drinks. That is what Michelle drinks. When, when you buy a horse. You when get, you buy a horse, you get champagne. invited up to the champagne room. Yeah. Oh, nice. I mean, you can order I your never own knew champagne. That. Holy cannoli. Yeah, yeah next time somebody buys a horse, Michelle, you're there, and you know the people who don't have a big entourage with them. So next time somebody buys a horse that you know is low on entourage, say, hey, do you want me to take that champagne coupon from you? I will. I didn't know that. I'm trying <laughs> to swindle myself into all kinds of free champagne. Now I'm going to add that to my list. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and, and Michelle, I know you will get it done. Oh, she will. Believe <laughs> me. You don't have to worry about Michelle. Believe me. Uh, <laughs> I know we've had you on for a long time. I just had two uh, questions left for you. Um, first is, can you kind of get a glimpse into what a typical day at the races is like for star ladies when you guys all get together? And second, I'd love to hear about your best experience on track. Um, my best experience on track with star ladies. Sure. Yes. Um, okay. So first of all, day at the races is sort of like, um, I'll back up to about a week out. Um, we'll send out an email that says so-and-so has been entered in this race and it's you know, race number eight, post time, 4.50 p.m., uh, please let us know if you plan to attend. Now, okay. we might send an email a month in advance of a stakes race and say, hey, we're pointing for this race in California, so if you'd like to go, you know, maybe start to look at flights. But so, yeah, once the entry's out, then we tell everybody, and then we say, like, who wants to attend? And then once we have the number of people who want to attend, we try to make sure that all of our partners are seated together because we have great partners. And mm -hmm. everybody really enjoys, like, spending that time together. And a lot, a lot of the um, – some of the partners who've gotten in over the years, they get in because they'd like to learn more about horse racing. And I feel like there's no better way than being with a group of people who are at all levels, from beginners just like you – 
been in it for five years or been in it for 30 years. Right. Sure. And so, yeah, we seat all the partners together and then, and also we'll say, you know, like if we're going to do dinner afterwards or let us know if you need reservations, Saratoga, it's, it's pretty easy because as much as I love Del Mar, the thing I do love about Saratoga is that after the races, everybody goes to Saratoga Springs, the little town to eat. Where at Del Mar after the races, everybody sort of disperses. Oh, the here we go. Here we go. Here we go, Michelle. This is what I was <laughs> waiting for. This is what I was waiting for. Another, okay. I'm knocking it. I'm just saying okay, it Donna. Saratoga special. <laughs> okay. We know Saratoga's but special, it, and Saratoga has this great little town, and apparently the racing is so good there. But are you <laughs> near? Are you near a beach? Are you near an unbelievable ocean? Are you, you know, I mean, come on. Do you, does it, wait, let me no, ask a question. No, and I'll does tell it, you something. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's battle. No, I'm just going to tell you one thing that we have that you don't have that you can be grateful for is mosquitoes. So we have that, yeah. admittedly. We don't we have, have mosquitoes. We have humidity, admittedly. Do you have, does it <laughs> rain there ever during the summer? <laughs> Yes, you know the answer to that. That's oh, why I'm, it's I'm so sorry. beautiful, Billy. I just wanted to make sure. I mean, everybody just <laughs> All right, blows Billy, up. Okay, fine. All right, keep going. So, and then you guys really get sit together and do lunch. So it is like a nice group atmosphere. And then, um, yeah. what is maybe your favorite memory that you've had celebrating something with the ladies? Oh my gosh, there's been so many. You know, I'll tell you one of the things that was one of my favorite things is that the very first year um, that we bought the horses was in 2013. And then I guess that would, they would have been yearlings then. And so then Eskin for money, who was from that very first crop made it to the Kentucky Oaks that year. And she was, she wasn't one of the favorites. She was like 12 to one, but she also wasn't like a super long shot. She finished fourth and it was a really exciting time to have all the ladies who were involved with star ladies for that very first year to be there at the Oaks and root her on together. And so, yeah, that was a lot of fun, but one of my favorite things that we do is um, every February we, we buy the horses. Now it's, you know, we talked about it's a yearling model and, and I didn't finish the other answer to the question, which was my fault. I got distracted, but That's okay. so we come fault. up with our business plan in February ish. And then we accept partners from like June through August. And then it's closed until the following year because we just buy the yearlings. But so we buy these yearlings in July, August, September, and then we don't see them again until they race. And so in February, we go down to Ocala to watch the horses in their training. And at that point, they're, they're sometimes working or at least galloping really fast, like a two-minute leg. Two-minute leg. And so sure. all the partners are invited to that, and, and it's fun. It's, oh, that's It's cool. nice to get everybody in Ocala. Yeah. That's very cool. That's fun. Um, all right. I, ha I also, Donna, you are very big on social media. Um, you talked a little yeah. bit about when you brought it up with Je uh, Jesse and what a good job she does. You're, you're very, it, how has social media really changed horse racing? Because there are, it, it's so powerful right now. You see a lot of negativity on there. I see a lot of positivity from you to, truthfully, I try to stay off of it as much as possible to be honest, but uh, yeah. give us a little taste of, of your social media and what you're trying to do. Well, I mean, you can talk negative about anything, right? Like, um, you can not the way Coca-Cola started their business plan. I mean, you can find something bad to say about anything, but the thing that, you know, it's easy to complain. There's a lot of people who like to complain about whatever. And, and I'm the person who looks on the bright side of everything. It's, it's just who I am. Not that I wear rose colored glasses or I'm Pollyanna-ish. I just don't, I just don't get reveled into the complaining. And I also, you know, won't do the negativity talk. So when, 
when people want to complain to me, I'll hear it and I'll go back and forth with them and we'll have the discussion. But if they start to, to, you know, cuss and, and use names, then, then that's, you know, I'll usually um, warn them before I block them. (laughs) (laughs) I won't talk to you that way. I'd really rather you not talk to me, but if they continue that way, then I'm like, and I'm going to have to block you. So I really just, I don't understand why people have to use social media as a, as a, a, an outlet for complaining when there's so many other ways that you can use it. And um, so anyway, I just stay positive. I just, I think, I, I think that I think there's that's a lot fresh. to be positive about. Well, I think yeah, I think we appreciate it at least. Um, I, I sometimes I think the the especially the Twitter sphere gets a little carried away. Um, one last question, mm-hmm. and then I'll, I have two more questions. Very quick. Um, Michelle and I are both. Uh, this is the longest interview we've ever done, by the way, Donna. Just so you know. I mean, Yay! So you, yeah. No, you know you're fantastic. Um, uh, I'm on the Karma board of directors. Uh, Michelle is very into aftercare. Um, I know you are are very involved in aftercare. Can you give us a second of uh, of what you are, which um, organizations you're involved in, and and what you do in the aftercare world? So I'm on the board of the Third Road Aftercare Alliance, and then the TRF Third Road Retirement Foundation asked me if I would be on their advisory board. I love Kim Weir, who's their marketing person, and and I said no because I can't commit to that, but I will do anything I can, whenever and wherever I can. And so there's lots of times when she wants to do an information session with people and um, I'll bring wine and, <laughs> and be there to talk about what it is that they do. And so I try to support it as much as possible. And again, I am on the board. And so the other thing that I do, you know, my book, Inside Track and Insider's Guide to Horse Racing, 100% of the proceeds from that book go to Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. And, and that's a twofold reason. Number one, I want to support aftercare in any way that I can. Number two, the, I wrote the book because it needed to be written because there wasn't a book out there that was just your basic how-to book about horse racing. And so I didn't write it to make money. I, didn't, I don't market the book so that I can get rich because believe me, even before I donated 100% of the proceeds, I wasn't getting rich off of it. But I do want more people to know that it's available. I want people to know when they have friends new to the sport. And it's as we know, there's a lot of inside information about the sport that there is a book out there that they can give them to help them understand the sport better and so yeah inside track insider's guide to horse racing and i don't mind promoting it because now 100 percent of the proceeds go to third right aftercare love that we where love do they it. get where we get it at amazon everywhere amazon, amazon. Yeah, say yeah, the name and of- just make sure if you inside track insiders okay. guide to horse racing but make sure you get the third edition because Sometimes there'll be uh, some used copies out there in the in the first or second edition, and um, you'll be disappointed by that edition. Either one of those. All right, so I promise. The third edition, I which promise. I just finished in 2020. Owner's box. Which, by we'll, the way, we're going to post get it. it on Kindle for only five dollars. Whoa. Well, that's we want to know. We want okay. them to spend more, Michelle, so that it goes to aftercare. Well, that's true. Paperback, fifteen ninety nine. <laughs> All right, last question, well, Donna. I, I promise. Like people use Kindles. I love my Kindle. <laughs> I promise. Last there you question. Go. We always end our show. Okay. We want. Um, you've been in the game for a long, long time. You've done so many different things. And by the way, I think you, I, I forget Lenny Schulman. I think you're fantastic. Um, Thank but, you. But the um, give. A little bit of advice. We have a new owner listening to the show for the first time. They want to get into the world of horse racing. Ownership. What do they do? Thank you for asking that. I think the very first thing that you do is go to ownerview.com, which is the jockey club sponsored group organization Mm -hmm. that really does help people 
sort of find their way into the industry. And you can read a lot of information there about trainers. And But the other thing is, is I think you get involved with a syndicate because it is the best way to learn about horse racing without putting all your own money up and having to make the tough decisions. And if you go to ownerview.com and you click on syndicates, then as you know, there's a list of about 50 different syndicates there. They write their own profile, but all of the stats in there are regularly updated from the Equibase stats. So you can't fudge your stats. Your stats are what your stats are. You can write your own profile, but you can learn a little bit about how each ownership or partnership group is doing it, where they're based, um, and get their contact information. And so do your homework. Like Reach out to multiple partnerships and, and see which one feels like a good fit for you before you decide to start putting your money into it. I think that's tremendous advice. Perfect. Donna was not paid for that, Michelle, just so you know. She did not know that question <laughs> was coming, but I agree. I get involved no. in a syndicate, and it doesn't have to be Star Ladies or Starlight or Little Red Feather. There's, a, there's so right. many out there that I think Donna's absolutely right. I say that all the time. Talk to the managing partner, get a feel for what they're like and their philosophies, and then go from there and make your own decision. So great advice, Donna. Donna, thank you. I'm, this is Michelle, this is the longest interview ever. I, I, I know it's fantastic, I'm sorry, and I, I could to keep you on for so long. We no, I could, it. I could keep going. I'm flattered, and I could have kept going too. You guys are awesome. I well, could talk to you guys like we need to have drinks together when I'm in California or when you're here. You look us <laughs> up for sure. I'm coming to Saratoga sure. for Travers. All right, Michelle. Yay! You have a date Make with sure you Donna. Reach out. I Frankie <laughs> I actually. Well, you guys don't know this, but Frankie actually sent me a text that just said, "Wrap it up." So I, I don't know what you guys have planned, if you have dinner date or something. But uh, no, Donna, we appreciate it. We appreciate all you do. We appreciate your positivity. Best of luck with Star Ladies. And if anybody needs to contact Donna, uh, it's very easy to do so. Um, thank you very much. And, and have a great rest of your summer. Thanks, guys. Always great to talk to you both. All right. you have a great thank you so too. much, Donna. Donna Brothers all here right. on the Owner's Box. Michelle, as usual, you come through like a, like a champion. She was amazing. I think she gave a lot great insight and history. I love the stuff about the jockeys. I, it's it's really interesting. And maybe one day we'll have a, a, a one of these uh, a jockey maybe from out here back east or or even a retired jockey that could kind of take us through because I thought that stuff was fascinating. It oh it is. It's I, I think anytime I hear the jockeys talk, it's just so interesting. Well, and it's like you know, it's really easy to bet your money on a horse and watch a jockey. And just say, oh, my God, that guy screwed it up. And, you know, he mm -hmm. might have. But, like, I tell people this all the time, Michelle, and I don't know if you do, too. But I always say, like, have you ever ridden a horse in a race? Like, do you know what it's like? Right. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah. The way she described it, I seriously, I was, like, sweating. I don't know. <laughs> I really was. I thought it was really cool. I've always been a big fan of jockeys. So, there you go. Anyway, Michelle, what do we have coming up at Del Mar uh, this week? Uh, we, we got Beach Boss. All right. So, what do we got? So Coming up, yep, we got Beach Boss on Friday, which the last two weeks, uh, our guests have not been listening to me and have not come up with the winners, even though I'm giving them to them right there on the spot. Uh, Ray is also zeroed out this week, but hopefully he's terrible. Um, next week it should be good. Ray Pollock <laughs> is a terrible handicap. Oh, that is so mean. It's so The good true. news is we have Frank Scatoni also, who uh, works for Del Mar, that gives you good picks. Okay. Um, so then Thursday is the CTBA Stakes. And Friday is the Great Two Sorrento, so that's Ooh, our two-year-old fillies. I'm in there. Are you? Yes. Well, and there's a couple of fillies that are that are cross-entered in both the CTBA, which is Calbred two-year-olds, and the Sorrento. So I feel like the race dynamic really changes depending on where a couple of these go, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Well, it'll be interesting to see who goes where, but I, our, our Philly should be uh, one of the favorites on Friday. She's really nice at the Elm Drive, which is uh, a daughter, two-year-old daughter of Mohamed for Phil D'Amato. Oh, awesome. That Looking was the one who broke her maiden her. impressively. Yes, she at, broke her maiden. At, at I watched Howe. her. Yeah. Yeah. I so. remember when uh, you told me you were naming her because you were naming everything in this about the streets in Beverly Hills, right? That's right. That's my mom. Yeah. My mom still lives in our house on Elm Drive. That's awesome. So, not Elm Street, though. Not to <laughs> don't no, confuse it not with nightmare. Elm Street. It's not a, well, it could be yeah. a nightmare on Friday. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, the way we're going. At um, all right. Then Saturday is the Yellow Ribbon and oh. as well as the Best Pal. So that's the two year old boys. Nice. What do you got in the yellow ribbon? Raimundo. Raimundo Secret. Where are you running Beer Can Man, by the way? Beer Can Man runs an allowance race on the 13th. Okay. I watched him work last week. He looked good. He looked very good. Yeah. Excited about it. Anyways. So you have Raimundo in the yellow ribbon. Yep. We have the best pal on Saturday. And then also Sunday is the La Jolla and the graduation. Again, two-year-old boys there. And then it's also the taste of the turf club. Oh, you love that. I love the taste of the turf. You love club. that. That's yes. your favorite thing in the world. It's, it is. It's uh, Sundays at Del Mar. You got a limited. There's limited number of tables. It's a turf club table with the seat, the general admission, the three course brunch, bottomless mimosas, hello, or spritzes or bloody marys. So many things. Um, and for they you always to drink. have like a fun, you know, uh, chef there to to do different foods. So it's cool. Awesome. Well, uh, great show, Michelle. Great job in getting uh, Donna Brothers. That was all you. You deserve a lot of credit. Uh, if you want to uh, learn more about us or contact us, uh, I'm Billy at LittleRedFeather.com. That's my email. You can tweet the show at Ona Horse or at the Michelle U or at BKLRF. Uh, we are part of the In The Money Media Network which is has some amazing podcasts on there. If you haven't listened, please uh, subscribe at once because it's not just us. There are so many good, uh, I always forget. I mean, it's Pete and JK and Acacia and uh, Nick Luck. Uh, and there's so many people on here in horse racing that are part of our network. And we're really excited to be a part of it. And it's been a great uh, first quarter of the summer. Is it a quarter? We've had three out of the eight weeks, a little more than a quarter. Yeah, I guess so. So it's, no, it's three-eighths, three-eighths of, of oh. the summer. So we have five weeks here left at Del Mar. Um, great talking to you. Thank you, Michelle. Great talking to you. Sorry, we can't do this together for the summer right now because uh, it's your fault. Del Mar still has no air conditioning in their office. <laughs> Michelle refuses to go into any place without air conditioning. Thanks so to all the fun. listeners who listen. We really appreciate it. Please reach out with ideas or thoughts or suggestions. We love them. We appreciate them. And if you are if you have a great story of, of listening to the show and getting into ownership, let us know. And, and we definitely want to want to reach out and, and speak out on your behalf. So thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Michelle. Bye.